All right. Everyone in this room, everybody online, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And I know that I'm a week early. But here's the thing. I think actually this week is more about Christmas than actually a week from today. Because if you think about it, the gifts that everybody's still got to buy and the, and the anticipation and the excitement and really probably the ultimate peak is Christmas Eve with all the kids that are anticipating what comes the next morning, right? So by the time we actually get to Christmas Day, the excitement is maybe at its peak, but all the anticipation has been going on for the previous week. So really it's, it's this week that's kind of the spirit of Christmas. And I think about uh, William Murphy two weeks ago when he had a lesson and he talked to us about the childlike wonder that is a gift from God. And that childlike wonder is definitely Christmas Eve, if you think about it. And it should be something that we do um, every day, and we don't have to wait for a holiday. As Blake was saying about the Magnificent uh, song, same thing. We oftentimes find ourselves in ruts or in, in, in some sort of cycles where we only do things at certain times of the year. And what William reminded us about a couple of weeks ago was that do we have childlike wonder only around the holidays? Do we pull out decorations and celebrate Jesus for the season and then put them away again until next year? And I might add, do we do that on Sundays? Do we bring out Jesus for Sunday, for today, and then we'll bring him out a week from now, but how about Monday through Saturday? Well, we're going to look at a couple of ways that maybe we can make this more daily, like we just sang. Isn't that a wonderful song talking about each day I'll do a golden deed, I'll be a son or daughter of God every day. It's definitely got the, the daily type mentality in it rather than just at certain times of the week or certain times of the year. And then last week, John Micah Richardson asked us, what does it mean for the family of God to be a gift to the world or to others and to each other? And we contemplated that idea about being a gift to those that don't know God. He rooted a lot of his conversation in James chapter 1, verse 17, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or the slightest hint of change. And then John talked to us about Advent, which we also talked about in the 8 a.m. communion service the same morning, which we were talking about again this morning, how ironic it is how the Spirit works. Different conversations through different different ones of us on campus in different places, and yet we're talking about the same thing. And the Advent, which is the arrival, uh, John said, he reminded us that it makes us look for God in all the places we have ignored, finding God in the small things in life. And then he had this quote, the function of Advent is to remind us of what we are waiting for as we go through life too busy with things that do not matter to remember the things that do. That quote's going to come back later in the sermon and be a little bit heavier and a little, little bit harder hitting. But basically what I was saying at the beginning, do we just think about these things when we're triggered either for a Sunday, we think about Jesus, or for the season? So how can we make it more about the everyday? And we're going to do a little exercise. We're going to take some breaths here for just a minute. Just uh, if you can, wherever you are, if you're at home, but obviously if you're in here, sit up straight. Make sure you can feel your feet on the floor and just start breathing deeply because when we breathe deeply, we have some benefits. Our heart rate slows down. 
We're able to think more clearly. And so just breathe in, and if you want to, take this time to even turn it into a breath prayer. You can breathe in, and while you're inhaling, you can say, Yah, and on your exhale, you can say, Way, Yah, Way, with each breath. Or you could say, Jesus, with each breath. Or Lord, have mercy. Anything that's applicable to you that connects you with God, with the very breath that you're breathing. And I think you'll find that it calms you, it centers you, and it makes you realize that God's with you all the time. The smallest thing maybe we overlook the most, our very breathing. So let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to contemplate these important things of gifts and the gifts that ultimately are all good and come from you. Most obvious this morning, walk with us, nudge us, speak to us through Scripture and through our through our spirit, that's, that your spirit that's inside us, help us hear you and recognize that our very lives are a gift. The breath we breathe is connected to the divine, and it's because of you that we have life and that your breath is actually the gift of life. It's in the name of life himself, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Gifts. John, you went a different direction last week with the gifts that weren't quite what, were quite what you wanted. I'm going to go a little different way this morning. I'm, I'm holding a gift in my hand, a stone, a rock, okay? And even if this stone was a Tennessee limestone and it said something silly on it, like one side had something that said something like, turn me over, and the other side said thanks, I would still like it because Dr. Rodney Cloud gave it to me. So it's a gift... And it's more than that, because this stone's not Tennessee limestone. This stone, Dr. Cloud picked up in the valley of Elah, over in the Holy Land. It may be a stone next to the brook that he picked it up from that David, young King David himself might have passed over to pick up the ones he did pick up to fight Goliath. So this is more than just Dr. Cloud. This is Dr. Cloud to me... But through this and through Dr. Cloud, this is the Holy Land. This is young King David. This is a part of God's creation, so it goes all the way back to God himself. And if I give it away, if Jesus doesn't return and I'm in my final days and I give it to somebody else, then they receive it as a gift from me, but they're tied to Dr. Rodney Cloud, they're tied to the Holy Land, they're tied to the Valley of Elah, they're tied to young King David, and they're tied to God as well. That's how true gifts actually work. And if we keep that in mind, we're going to find out this morning as we go through the text, that's how God's gifts to us work too. So we just said that the breath of God is a gift. There's nothing we can do. If you think about it, while you were breathing deeply, you can't, you can't even imagine where that breath comes from. You can't collect it in the air. You can't go out and say, this next one that's coming is mine. You can't hold on to one. You can't demand the next one. It's all a gift from God. And I suggest that we could use it as a synonym this morning, and we could say that the breath of God is a gift and the breath of God is life. And some of you who've been in classes with me and other things in this congregation over the years that we've discussed, you would say, now hang on, wait a minute. I know for a fact we talked about life is in the blood. Yes. 
And the Bible doesn't contradict itself, so we need to figure out if life is in the breath or life is in the blood. Not really, but let's do it anyway. Um, Leviticus says that for the life of every living thing is in the blood. So if you were thinking that, you're spot on. So I myself, God says, have assigned it to you on the altar to make atonement for your lives, for the blood makes atonement by means of the life. Now, I don't pretend to be a biologist or a medical doctor, but here's what's interesting. All these systems that are on the screen are things that make this thing right here talking to you work, right? All these systems like skeletal, muscular, nervous, endocrine, lymphatic, cardiovascular, digestive, urinary, reproductive, and respiratory all require what? Blood, right? Because if the blood stops and starts to clot, we die. But here's what's interesting. I did a little research, and blood is the transport mechanism to carry life to all these different systems. Because it's carrying the breath or the oxygen that goes into the blood that actually makes all this stuff work, right? So the answer is actually both. Life is in the blood, but the life that's in the blood is the breath of God that God put in the blood, which we're going to see here in a minute. And then for some of you techies like me, I found this just very interesting. A computer chip might have 2 billion trans transistors, which is pretty impressive, right? Because computer chips are really small. But there are 70 trillion self-reproducing cells, each with 100 trillion atoms in an average human being. And guess what? As fascinating as that is, without the breath of God, a human body is dead. Let's look at some texts. And I think this will become even clearer maybe than it already is. Listen to Genesis 2, 7. The Lord formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his, sorry, breathed into his nostrils the, death, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So animating that man, animating Adam, took the breath of God in order to do it. Otherwise, God had crafted something from the dust. He had made a human but the human couldn't do anything until the breath of God went in. Isaiah describes God this way in chapter 42. He says, This is what the true God, the Lord, says, the one who created the sky and stretched it out, the one who fashioned the earth and everything that lives on it, the one who gives breath to the people on it and life to those who live on it. But Job may the most succinctly talk about life and breath. He says in chapter 12, In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all the human race. And then later in Job, when Job has gotten some more information and contemplated some more things from God, he says in chapter 33, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. I don't think it can be much clearer than that, right? They're, they're obviously connected together. Blood, life, breath. And then, if some of you are thinking, like I know some of you good thinkers are, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Okay, how? Did God actually write the words? No. But God had to have a human being to inspire to write the words, right? And that human being had to be alive. And that human being is alive by the breath of God, so therefore anything that a human being wrote through inspiration actually is God-breathed because that person is God-breathed. That gets us back to the rock, the stone, and the chain of, of the gifting. And we'll see that again here in a little bit. 
And then Ecclesiastes says something sort of, sort of dark, but uh, pertinent to our conversation this morning. In chapter 12, verse 7, the author says, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the life's breath returns to God who gave it. So if we think about God's gifts, we think about them this way. We breathe God's breath, and God's breath is unbroken from Adam to us. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but, you know, we'll keep this, we'll keep this up in the, in the uh, variable range of out of the ears of little kids. But when your parents had you, uh, God's breath, you, where did it enter, right? Because it was continued from the fact that God's breath was in your parents. So it's passed down. Very similarly, we were all from the dust and the garden, the dust and the soil in the garden, and connected to it by God's breath. Because God breathed into Adam in the garden that he'd fashioned from the dust, and when we die, we go back to that dust. But obviously that dust is not a part of the reproductive process as we know it biologically with our parents, right? But yet we do turn back into that dust. So the chain is unbroken, from the garden to us on both the breath of God and also the dust that we're formed out of. And apart from God, our life source, we become spiritually dead and useless to God's kingdom. We could still be alive, technically, for however many years we have, but we would be, we would be dead. We would be walking around as dead people. Whether successful, healthy, poor, unhealthy, fortunate, or miserable, without God, we will eventually die. We know that from Genesis chapter 3. But guess what? We've been hoodwinked by the devil and his cronies to think that we're accidents and that those billions and trillions of, of, of processes while ago I described in this fascinating construction of gods is just, just happenstance. It wasn't uh, creatively designed. It wasn't uh, intentional. It just happened. And that we will certainly not die. The devil distracts us from the looming curse of the Adamic race that we inherit death. And I think that's interesting to point out. A lot of people say we inherit sin. We inherit the fact that we do sin, but we actually inherit death. That's the curse. That's the curse from Genesis 3. And then back to what uh, John used last week from one of his quotes about being distracted. This may be the best single little summary of distraction I've heard in a while. We were working with the staff this past week reading a book that we're going through together, and Ted Loder started a prayer in the book this way. He said, Hear me quickly, Lord, for my mind soon wanders to other things I'm more familiar with and more concerned about than I am with you. Ouch. That stings, doesn't it? Except here's the problem, that stings me. I bet it stings you, because we do that. And God knew we did that, because the powers stood against us, the powers we just talked about that try to convince us that we're, we're an accident, try to convince us that we surely won't die. They knew that we couldn't keep the law. They knew that we couldn't stop sinning. And they knew that we could not find our way out of death. We couldn't defeat it. So what we need to feel this morning is this. Our problem is that we're sinners in need of forgiveness and dead people in need of new life. That's what everybody who gets the gift of life from God, receives. Now, before we ever even get to talking about who is a Christian and who's not a Christian, we, let's, just, let's just agree that human beings breathing air and blood pumping through their veins, running all those systems, are gifts of God. 
whether they realize it or not, right? And the difference is that with this gift comes, uh, unfortunately, some uh, one, well, an accessory, and that accessory is time, right? When we're given the gift of life, mortal life, we don't know exactly how long it's going to last. All we know is that God knows and we don't. And eventually, that time is going to run out. We're not going to wait for that sand all the way to go out of the, the uh, hourglass or we'd be here too long. But eventually, that's going to run out. And when it runs out, Ecclesiastes says, the breath goes back to God the dust goes back to the earth. Here's the question. What would you be willing to give up? Or what would you be willing to pay for your next breath? See, these are the things we don't think about every day. We just go through life, be bopping along, thinking that everything is good and everything works unless we have some kind of ailment. So let's try it. Let's go back to the breathing exercise that we did at the beginning. Now, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to, but at least listen and think through what's going on. If you want to do it, feel free to participate. Let's hold our breath. Okay? How long can we hold our breath? And as we hold our breath, eventually, maybe your heart rate will slow down a little bit at the beginning, but then eventually when you come to realize that there's not another breath coming, this is it. This is the very last breath you've got. Your heart rate's going to increase. You're going to start having panic type of attack. And eventually, the breath's going to end. And when it ends, the gift is over. The lights go out on the Christmas trees. Now, I'll tell you, this is where the sermon was going to end. I was going to leave it as a cliffhanger and let Les come up next week and take it from here. And we decided, whew, that's kind of heavy. And I prayed about it, and I, and I thought, you know, most of the people in the room and most of the people probably online, this is heavy, this is dark, and yet they're not really susceptible to this. Because let me ask you a question. Um, most people, well, actually, let me tell you this first, and I'll ask you a question. For many people, it's not until they are just about to take their last breath and their life flashes before them in a moment that they acknowledge that they were even given life, right? These are the people that unfortunately don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with God. But we're not those people, at least most of us are not. I don't know who exactly in here is and isn't, but I know the majority of us are. So let me ask you this question. How long did you hold your breath? No, 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 not just then. How long did you hold your breath when you were up here? How long did you hold your breath when you went into the uninhabitable space surrounded by water and you died? And then you were raised to new life. Because see, we've, most of us have already done this. Most of us have held our breath. And quite frankly, the worst part is over because we're invited to live the eternal life actually now. Death was all around us while we were underwater. An uninhabitable space that we cannot breathe, we're not going to get any more breath, we're not going to get any more oxygen, and without eternal life in Christ, we would not be able to escape. So imagine that holding your breath exercise you may have just participated in and have it actually be in a space that it would come to a complete end. That's what we were walking around in. That's what the gift of human life because of sin had turned into. 
But here's the good news. This is God's heartbeat. God is love, right? And he loves us so much that as we talked around the table this morning, he piles grace upon grace. And he has found a way all throughout the biblical story to help rescue us, to have a rescue plan. And it's been evident the whole time. Maybe you just haven't seen it. Noah and his family were in the ark, and they were surrounded by watery death, right? Everything in the water died, but not those who were in the ark that God was protecting. Moses in the basket, which interestingly in Hebrew, the word for basket there is the same word as ark uh, in the Noah story, was surrounded by watery death. One I forgot to put on the slide is Moses leading the Hebrews through the Red Sea were surrounded on both sides by watery death that they crossed on dry ground in the middle. Jonah in the fish was surrounded by watery death. All of these people escaped death because of God. And here's the good news. Jesus is our ark. If we're in Christ, we're going to escape death. Now, if Jesus doesn't come back, I understand that we're going to go through mortal death, but we don't have time to pursue that this morning in detail. But I think even that is going to be a blessing compared to those who don't. But the point is, we're safe. And we're going to come through on the other side. Because thankfully, God's redeeming love works differently. If we allow it, God takes us fallen and broken beings and recreates us for his glory by breathing new life into us, as John reminded us last week and back in his Easter sermon on the slow art of Kintsugi, where something that's broken is actually turned into something beautiful. So that leads us to this question then, since we're going to end the sermon more positively and Blake's going to take us to the table here in just a minute. What is the gift of life for then? Well, one purpose of the Gospels is to present Christ as the chief example of the life that God approves. And that takes time for us to figure out, right? That's why God gives us the lifespan that we just sang about in order to to try to emulate, in order to copy, in order to follow. I don't know who the author was, um, but I found this poem and I adjusted it a little bit. The person said, You came naked, you will leave naked. You came without anything, and you will leave without anything. You arrived weak, and you will leave weak. So why so much hatred, resentment, envy, selfishness, and pride? And then I said, we will all go empty-handed. All material things we have earned, we earned here, and they will, we will leave them here. The only thing that will go with you that you actually earned here is the love you shared, the compassion you showed, your humbleness your gratitude, your helpfulness, and your kindness. So what might God's gift of life be for then succinctly? Well, for discipleship, for worship, for prayer, and living as the people of God, Jesus' church, all of us that are in Christ, in the ark, in the saving boat that is going to go to new creation with all of us intact and all of us safe and sound. God's gift could be stated this way, it's a gift of life for the character construction of each one of us. We will take things with us. The little joke about the hearse with the trailer is wrong, but we will take intangible things with us. The Bible clearly shows that people who have passed through mortal life still have memories and emotions and love and their level of formation, Christian formation and transformation. So here's the question then as we go towards the table. What will you do with God's gift of the breath of life today. Because here's the deal. God gave it to you and you can do one of two things. It can be a blessing or it can be a curse. Who will you bless in the name of Jesus? And I would say that the invitation 
is this. If you're out there and you're thinking, I don't want the sand to run out. I don't want to end up being at the end of this gift of mortal life and then that be it. And why don't you come now, hold your breath, come up out of the water, and take communion with us. Blake.